Welcome to Jesus Unmasked, an invitation to join a search for the living Christ in scripture and our lives. In Jesus Unmasked, we believe that Jesus would wear a mask during the time of COVID, and so should everyone. Yet in this podcast, we seek to remove the masks of exclusive theology and violent cultural lenses that obscure the truth that Jesus is unconditional love. In the unmasked face of Jesus, there is hope, acceptance, and forgiveness that frees us from fear that we may live into our fullest selves as reflections of God's love. We explore scripture through the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible, and we use the Common Lectionary. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Jesus Unmasked here at the Raven Foundation and the Clackamas United Church of Christ Facebook pages. I am Adam Erickson, and I am here, as always, with my colleague at Raven, Lindsay Paris-Lopez. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Adam. Hi, everyone. Happy last couple, last week of Advent. Yeah, um, it, I, I guess it is. It's, uh, I mean, next week is some more Advent, but um, I guess this is the last full week. I think so, yes. When is Christmas? <laughs> this is all happening so fast. <laughs> it's coming up next week, I think, on Thursday or something. So uh, this is our last Bible study of the year. So Lindsay and I just thought that we would go straight to Christmas Eve and talk mm -hmm. about uh, the passages um, that are going to be coming up on Christmas Eve, which are... Mm -hmm. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 14, and this is such a great passage. I love this passage. It, it is. Christmas is on Saturday, by the way. For on, I should know Saturday. that. As a, as a pastor, I should know when I'm going to be uh, doing Christmas Eve. For, for anyone who panicked, you know, you have a few more shopping days. It's <laughs> not... <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'll get my... Uh, I'll get my I'll get my stuff together by then. I promise. <laughs> That's all. I hope I do too. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, shall I go ahead and read this uh, this section? Mm-hmm. All yeah. right. This is the birth of Jesus according to the Gospel of Luke. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in the manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. 
to you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. Merry Christmas. I'm like Charlie Brown. Where are you? <laughs> Merry Christmas. Uh, um, you know, the, this is the nativity story that is um, just done in, in Christmas pageants all over the place. And we had our Christmas pageant um, last Sunday, just this past Sunday. Um, and it was probably the best Christmas pageant I'd ever seen because we got to see the children's faces up close with our Zoom, with the Zoom cameras and, um, you know, and it, it was so, it was so beautiful. It came together fantastically. And, um, and, you know, we saw the children in their own homes and they were decorated in all kinds of ways. And, and, um, the kids were just beautiful. Sometimes you're sitting in the back, you can barely really see them. And um, so, I don't know, one of the, one of the silver linings of 2020 was, was really that pageant for me, this story and, and seeing, seeing children telling it. I mean, it, it wasn't, um, they didn't go word for word through the scripture, but this is the scene that was recreated. It was just beautiful that's awesome hi casey merry christmas it's good <laughs> to see you um what uh is there anything about this passage that strikes you Lindsay? i mean when i when i read it i see that it's this it's situated with this person named caesar augustus and this is just luke's brilliance when luke is talking about the birth of jesus uh because Augustus is the, he takes upon himself the title son of God in the ancient Roman Empire. Augustus is the one who says that he goes out and brings peace uh, to the world by defeating his enemies. And Luke says, this is all situated here. There's even, uh, historically it's debatable, but Augustus did a census so that he could tax the people and build even greater armies uh, for his empire and go conquer more people. And Luke says, this is where the true son of God is born into the world in all of the son of God's vulnerability right here in a manger to these parents that you would never expect. Like if you thought the son of God was going to be born in the world, you would think it would be to the emperor or to a mm -hmm. king, uh, but not to some like lowly, almost, I mean, peasants is, is who Jesus is born to these poor people. And then as mm -hmm. Caesar Augustus is making his armies uh, here at the end, the heavenly host, the angels that come to the shepherds, the word for heavenly host, the word host in Greek is actually army. <laughs> the heavenly host, the heavenly army, doesn't go around killing people, uh, creating peace through violence, 
but the heavenly host praises God. The heavenly army is the nonviolent army that is about love, in the, more love and more peace, uh, peace through love in the world. It's the alternative that Luke and the gospel writers continue to bring before us right here at Jesus's birth and throughout his life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, you have this big grand picture of empire. Um, you've got the emperor making a decree. And so you've got this broad view of this, you know, of the ruling powers of the world. And you start out probably picturing a palace and a great city with a wall and armies. And then it zooms in on a tiny little barn in the middle of nowhere. And, um, and it's like, you know, not over there, over right. here. Yes. It's, it's, um, so, so that's just, it's like training your eyes away from what we would normally think of as power and glory and training us to re-see it in the, smallest humblest um newborn baby in in just in in a very um in a very um insignificant kind of setting um so yeah yeah and the retraining continues i love the way that you put it there lindsay because the retraining continues with the shepherds because who are the first ones who hear this story that Jesus is going to be born outside of Mary and Elizabeth, right? Who are the first ones outside of the family structure who hear this? Shepherds. And shepherds are like the most lowly people in the ancient world. In fact, shepherds were often the criminals um, who were punished for their crimes by being forced to become shepherds because nobody else wanted to be the shepherds because it was filthy and poopy and nasty mm -hmm. and dangerous work. Uh, so it was often the criminals who were forced to have this. So the angels of the Lord show up to likely criminals to tell mm -hmm. them this is, this is what's happening. This is how God is working in the world. I mean, it's, the whole story just subverts our typical understanding of where God is in the world and how God shows up and who God shows up to. Mm -hmm. And it, it puts a new perspective on just why the shepherds would be terrified to see this brilliantly bright shining star. And then, like you said, a heavenly army appearing before them and, and singing and praising God. Yeah. You know, if you're a criminal and you, if you have been a criminal and you're out watching sheep at night because you're being punished and um, you're probably on edge anyway because you're standing guard outside yeah. at night. There could be a wolf. Your job would be to beat away a wolf. I mean, it's, it's, it's just a terrifying position to begin with. And you don't really have any alternatives. You're just kind of stuck there. And, you know, your default, just in general, 
would probably be a sense of fear or anxiety. And then when heaven comes, you know, when all of heaven seems to be coming down onto earth, you've probably never imagined that that would happen. But if it did, you would probably be terrified. Like they're coming for me. I've, I've done something wrong. Who knows what it was that was wrong. It may, it may have been something big. It may have been something small, but you got on the wrong side of the powers that be. Who knows what it was, but you could really feel like someone's out to get you. And instead, you become the first to hear a blessing of good news, of tidings of great joy. I mean, how, how completely um, mind-blowing, paradigm-shifting, world-changing could that be? Um, so. Yeah, and part of that mind-shifting uh, is where it says, uh, do not be afraid. I am bringing you good news of great joy for all people. And this is like the, the universal aspect of this. Everyone is going to be included uh, in, this, in this message. Everybody's invited to the party. Uh, and that's what Jesus lives throughout his, his life, especially going to people who are just like the shepherds, who have been ostracized, marginalized, particularly by the religious elite. That's where Jesus goes so that all people, including those who are labeled criminals, those who are labeled as not following the law, can be included into this new way of being in the world. Um, and then, but then it says, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. So this brings up the question, if this is all for, is, if this is for all people, Lindsay, who are those among whom God favors? Well, that would be, <laughs> that would be all people, but, okay, that would be all people, full stop. Okay. Not everyone would feel God's favor in what's about to happen or what is happening, though. I mean, because for some, for, for those who have power, for those who have lived on, off of the expense of others, for those who have lived off of exploitation, um, you know, Mary said in, in the Magnificat that the that the that the powers um, the rich would be sent away empty. I mean, for some who have hungered and thirsted for both food and justice and mercy and compassion they will be filled up but for some who are already full of full of a lot of stuff you yeah. know um for some who are already full there needs to be an emptying there needs to be a humbling um you can't recognize or appreciate or or act on the beauty and love around you when you're too full of all the wrong things. Um, when you're too full of power over others, when you're too full of your own ego, um, you can't be filled with something better. So you have to be emptied first. 
And in the end, that is good news. It may not feel like good news, as you say, but in the end, it's it's better for those of us who are powerful and those of us who um, need to um, share our power or, as you say, empty our power so that uh, everyone can share in the abundance of the kingdom of God. We've got some comments here. Satchel says, I just heard your church from Amin on your sign. I taught to myself self there's no way i'm lucky enough for that to be the clackamas i just moved to but it is so anywho hi everyone i'm hi reina nice to meet you welcome to clackamas it's good it's good to meet you um yeah and uh welcome anytime it's fantastic um derek says this reminds me of bonhoeffer's sermon oh yes the government shall rest upon his shoulders. Derek, I have not read Bonhoeffer's, that sermon from Bonhoeffer, but um, I'm intrigued. I'm going to go look it up. Uh, that, okay. That's amazing. So thank you yeah. for that. Yeah, it's, it's been a while since I've read The Cost of Discipleship, but um, he, is, he is pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah Bonhoeffer uh, certainly fits with this counter- cultural counter empire story here at the beginning of the gospel. So, um, yeah. Lindsay, any, any other thoughts you have about this passage? Well, just that, um, just the other night, um, when I was having trouble sleeping and feeling kind of anxious and sad, I, I went to, I went to Ecclesiastes actually, instead of that, I don't know, because Ecclesiastes seemed like um, a place in the Bible that could commiserate with me. I, I, it's not the happiest book of the Bible, but um, I was reading, and it, at, one point, um, at one point it says there is nothing new under the sun. And I thought, well no, that's wrong. There is something new. Like it, it, it's, it was Advent and I just automatically thought of Christmas and I thought, you know, there's a time for feeling like there's nothing new under the sun. There's a time for feeling like we're stuck in, you know, in this never ending cycle of, of violence and misery and loneliness. There's a time for that. And the Bible speaks to that, but this is Advent and we're anticipating something new and wonderful. And I just, my mind just went to the fact that the fact that love comes to us in a tiny new person and a tiny new body. And, um, you know, not just once, but over and over and over again, new people are being born and they're always new manifestations of love. And it, it made me think of, of um, how hope always comes into the world in these tiny, tiny packages we call children. And um, I don't know. So actually the Bible did give me comfort because it gave me something to rebel against. <laughs> yeah, like I, I was like, I didn't really go to, to rebel against the scripture, but I, I, I closed the Bible thinking, no, that's wrong. There is something new. Mm -hmm. And I felt better. So, I mean, sometimes, 
sometimes the scripture will comfort you just by contradicting itself and leaving room for you to rebel. I don't know. It was just a, it was a new, it was an interesting thought. Um, but there is something new under the sun. There is some, someone new being born every second. And, um, our savior came into this world brand new and had to, had to learn and had to grow in faith as we all do. And he did. Um, I mean, he's the son of God, but in a way, so are all of us. He just had this very, he, he just had, um, he was loved so much from the beginning that he could see it from the beginning. And so that just teaches me to love our children from the beginning and to remember that we are loved just as much as Jesus was loved. And we're loved by Jesus, but we're loved just as much as Jesus was loved. And that that was just a new thought that struck me that brought me comfort um, as we as we await Christmas. So wonderful, wonderful stuff. Hi, Melanie. And uh, Derek says God is in the manger as a devotional with Bonhoeffer's writings I use every Advent. That sounds like a great Advent tradition. God is in the manger, in the hay, next to animals, apparently, although animals are never mentioned in this Luke story, um, but uh, well, they might have been there. Uh, but yeah, God in the hay of the manger being warmed by the breath of an ox or something. Um, I mean, I was I was thinking about that, too, just that, you know, God comes to all of creation, not just not just humanity and being born in a barn. Um, you know, I think there must have been animals. Certainly our Christmas pageant is full of animals, all the animals of Christmas, of course, and um just that, you know, you would expect God to appear to the rich and powerful first, and that's not how it happens at all. God comes to an unwed mother and a, a very, very devoted humanly father um, who loved this unwed woman enough um, to be with her while she bore a child that wasn't directly his. And... God comes to the criminals and the sheep and the and the cows and the and the rats and the fleas. Um, it's just and is put in a manger and I don't know. We'll later. You you would expect God to the angels to show up at least to the priests like aren't the priests important enough no they show up to the shepherds it's fantastic to the shepherds and <laughs> Casey says away in the manger was my favorite Christmas carol growing up it's a good one I like that one uh and Derek final comment from Derek says God in the lowliness of human birth oh this is beautiful the blood and the water being born is the most lowliest and most common of all things God comes in the common moments amen to that God comes to the fleas, yes, <laughs> the animal, and to the fleas that the donkeys are shaken off with their tail. That's awesome, Lindsay. You had you had one final thing that you wanted to say. Um, 
I mean, that's, I, th I think we can, I, I think this is a good place to, to wrap it up. I think so. Awesome. Well, thank you, Derek and Casey and Melanie and Satchel. I can't, I hope to meet you someday. Raina. Yeah, that's your name. Raina, I hope to meet you someday. Thanks for coming on and uh, introducing yourself. And um, it's nice to meet you through Facebook. So, uh, well, everybody, this is our last Bible study uh, for the for 2020. Um, I'm looking forward to 2021 for many reasons, including more Bible studies. So we will see you in 2021 for more Jesus unmasked until then i hope you have a very merry christmas and happy new year merry christmas and happy new year and uh until next time grace and peace be with you peace be with you jesus unmasked is produced by the raven foundation where we talk about faith and mimetic theory check out more of our work at ravenfoundation.org you can connect with Raven on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you liked this episode, feel free to share it with your friends or your enemies, because Jesus calls us to love them too.